0: So Mary Lee Cunningham sent me an email that said preacher and um, an accountant and a lawyer went hunting, deer hunting. A deer jumped up and all three shot and the deer went down. They couldn't figure out whose bullet killed it. So they get a conservation agent together. He comes out and he says, uh, he goes and examines and he comes back and he says, the preacher's the one who killed it. And they said, how do they, how do you know? He said, the bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Think that's funny, huh? <laughs> wow. I'm gonna instruct Mary Lee of addresses of other churches she can attend in the future. If you have not filled out those surveys, please do that. I know there's some that will say, I just don't wanna do that, I'll do whatever I'm asked or whatever. You have no idea how frustrating it is to have to go around and ask people all the time. And so here's what we decided to do. If you do not turn one in, we're putting your name on every column. And we'll just make you tell us no. So please fill out those surveys if you haven't. And if you filled one out at home and you just forget about it or whatever, but you know what you did, there's another one there, are other out, out on the table. Fill those out and turn those in because I'm telling you, Jamie Smith is on the prowl for people. And she is calling people and asking them why they haven't turned their survey in. So that's pretty impressive, and I appreciate her for that. Anybody remember where you were 10 years ago today? Ice storm came, knocked out power for nearly. Labor- but how many remember being without power at least one week? Anybody remember that? Yeah, that was 10 years ago. Today it started, and uh, not by number, but by day. It was a Sunday night when it started, and that's just a weird image. But um, also, just be aware you're going to get a phone call from me, but it's not really me. It's a recording. Somebody said it's just like at church. We have to sit there and listen to you, and we can't say anything in response. But it's about the photo directory, right? So please sign up for that thing we want everybody's picture in there and to be as effective as possible the Merrills were back this morning we can rejoice in that and the meddletons where are the meddletons There you are back she's she's seen a little bit she was on her way home from that eye surgery cornea transplant she was excited and she called we put them the the phone call on on what do you call it Speakerphone. Speaker phone, you know. And, and she said, I can see. And she was like, praise the Lord, I can see. And I held up my hands like this, and I said, how many fingers am I holding up? She said, two. I said, I'm going for that surgery tomorrow, if you can see over the phone line. But she said today, that, that preacher is better looking than I ever remembered. <laughs> and then I realized we have a guest preacher today. So. <laughs> I have this um, introduction Uh, This our speaker is not, this is a picture of him, Matthew Moron. It's not Matthew Moron. I just want you to know this because he feels like every time I say it, that's not what I'm saying. Nor is he Matthew Modine. It's not the same guy. Even if you shaved his head, that's not him. He's much older. Next slide. Our speaker is, however, the author of Natural Evangelism, a great book if you ever give a chance to get a hold. He only brought six copies with him. He's not a promoter. Uh, but you get a chance to get that from Gospel Advocate. He's a preacher at Castle Rock, Colorado, a Canadian and note how he pronounces the word about. Just take note of that and jot how many times he does it. It's going to make him so self-conscious he's going to try to say that not at all. Just watch him when he has to say that word and he of course shaves his head. You can tell that. He is a friend we met at Harding Graduate School a few years ago taking classes together and he speaks at different places, and he's really gotten this um, movement going kind of of making evangelism a natural thing in your life. And that's what drew us to bring him here. And last night he did a great job. I want to commend you as a church. Great crowd last night. It was, I was just overwhelmed with the number of people who came, and you fully enjoyed it and engaged in it. And this morning was great in class, and you'll enjoy this lesson. Sing with me as he makes his way up here. Jesus loves me.
1: me Yes, Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me The Bible tells me so Well good morning everyone. Uh, Spencer, thank you very much for the very kind uh, introduction. Sometimes you don't always get the kindest introductions, so usually they just like to make fun of me and so I appreciate uh, you doing that. Uh, also I I grew this little beard just so I could look as good as Spencer uh, uh, did and so uh, thank you so much for the opportunity it's a great honor Spencer is one of the finest preachers around you also are blessed to have Michael as your youth minister and he's a friend of mine and I know you have a children's minister but I have not met her so it's hard for me to say kind things about her as well but I don't want to uh, forget her as well And thank you so much for you guys being dedicated to you thank you for having uh, this workshop and and I was incredibly impressed by the amount of people who showed up. I remember uh, Spencer and I had lunch, and I said, are we going to have, uh, you think, 25 people show up? He said, no, I think we'll have 150. I said, what? Serious? He goes, yeah. So I was just blown away by your receptivity, your desire to reach out into this community. You are commended uh, just your heart and your passion for evangelism. Thank you so much. I was honored to be able to speak to so many people who care about evangelism, and that is a rare quality in some of our congregations. You are doing a great job here. I think we got to go to... uh, Evangel, yeah, we can go there really quick, or why don't you just go to, uh, oh, uh, 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 it's a picture, what am I, man, what am I preaching on? <laughs> That's a really sad moment. <laughs> I'm trying to think of this first slide that I had up there. I'm sure you'll find that first slide for worship. Somebody will be back there, and we will uh, get there. Alright, let me just go to the slider. I'm going to be totally off. So this is all the stuff you missed last night if you did not uh, come. Oh, here we go. Oh, I know what happened. There we go. There we go. So I did not grow up in the church. I grew up in Nova Scotia, Canada. And never went to any church per se. My parents would drop me off every now and then at some little tiny building on a Sunday morning. And really the one time I was there, I got kicked out. So my history wasn't that great. And so when I started preaching, I didn't understand all the traditions that we had in the church. And so a lot of times I had a little bit of paranoia that people were doing things to let others know that I was saying something maybe controversial or something that was challenging, and so I was a little worried that when somebody would cough, that it was a secret symbol to let other people know in the church, don't listen to that preacher. So it was always, I thought, an elder or somebody who was a well-known member, and they would... (coughs) And then somebody would pass it to the next section. And then, you know, these are Southern people, so, you know, they're very polite. Don't listen to him. He's wrong. And so I just was concerned that when somebody would cough, that was a sign not to listen to me. I don't know why I got that in my head, but that's, I knew somebody would cough. (laughs) And I'd get worried that that was them letting the church know, you know, we're not going to stand up and call them down, but like an elder saying, that's not right, we don't agree with that here. And so we had this type of cough, I was paranoid about it, and I was worried. Now we have a lot of that type of stuff. You know, when I go to a place and speak, I try to sit in that front pew region as much as possible. That way I don't have to worry about taking a person's pew. Because we all have our favorite pew, and amen to that. I remember I used to judge people how dare we have our own pew? And then I got my own. It's sweet, it's wonderful. I love my own pew. And then we have certain sayings, we have certain ways that we conduct ourselves, we just have a lot of traditions that we live by, but that aren't always mentioned. You just got to kind of know it when you know it. Well, when it comes to the verse of outreach, this is from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 10, 7, and... In this section, he is giving the limited commission to go to kind of the Jews. But we have always broken up this limited commission in Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10. And there's a chapter break. But if you know the original Bible in the Greek, there's no chapter breaks. There's no verses, and so when the people would read this in the first century, they wouldn't read it with the chapter, so they wouldn't go to the very end of 9 and then hit 10 and think, oh, the author is changing the intention or changing subjects. It would all flow consistently. And so when it does flow consistently, and I just realized I am not going to read all that In the back. So I'm going to pull out my Bible because I don't have any notes up here. (laughs) And usually I could read, but look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, therefore the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers into his harvest. Then we switch over. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And then he names these apostles. Now this is all part of the limited commission, but I really wanted to highlight this idea that Jesus is not just talking about evangelism. In the church, we will have seminars, we will have workshops, we will talk, and the preacher will wax on and on and on and say, oh, we need to evangelize. We will look at one another, oh, yeah, I need to evangelize. We will sit there and encourage each other, we got to really evangelize. And we will all be talking in this context, Jesus is doing. He is owed into the towns. He is in the community. He is making an impact. He is much more focused on doing evangelism than talking about it. If we only talk about evangelism, we haven't started evangelism. We got to be intentional of getting out there and being evangelistic with all of our hearts. And so talk is good. Action is better. This is why he says this. The fields are ripe to harvest. Look what it says. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, But the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. For years you've probably heard over and over again, evangelism is hard. Nobody wants to respond to the gospel. Nobody's interested anymore. People are just too busy. They just don't care. Nobody's receptive. People just aren't concerned about Christ. You've heard it a hundred times. And we have made excuses. We have such negative self-talk when it comes to evangelism that we just shut down evangelism Because we think there's nobody that's remotely interested. That nobody cares. But that's not what Jesus says. Look there at Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. The harvest is plentiful. But what's the issue? Is the issue the harvest? But the laborers are few. The problem is not the lost coming. The problem is that the saved aren't going. The issue is not that people are not receptive. We're not going out to them. It's up to us to have the mindset of going to them and not just expecting them to come to us. God is a missionary, and He is active in this world. God is cultivating souls. God is getting His message out. But we need to join Him in that work. We have had a very ecclesiocentric model of evangelism. I know that's a big fancy word, and it means this, that it's so church-centric that we think that we're going to invite people into the church instead of an incarnational approach in which we go out into the world. We are sitting here in our church buildings waiting for them to come instead of leaving our buildings and going to where they are. Jesus doesn't say to these disciples, wait and the harvest will somehow grow legs and come to you. He says, You got to go out to them because the fields are ready. This world needs Christ. This world is ripe for Christianity. Don't let people fool you. There's brokenness in this world, suffering, sin and people need the peace the salvation of god they just don't know it and it's up to us to go to these fields that are clamoring for the gospel and let them know that there is hope we though enjoy kind of a huddle and cuddle approach of tending to ourselves instead of getting to the fields and doing the work. The issue is with the workers getting to work. Sometimes it seems that we are too many times looking after ourselves instead of rolling up our sleeves and putting our hands to the plows. The world needs Christ and they will listen. They listened back then and they will listen today giving ourselves all the reasons why nobody cares is not going to be effective but there's people who need the lord we got to get out there now notice the struggle is not enough workers and i want to give you two ways to help workers The first one is to go in pairs, to go in pairs. Have you heard this phrase, we need to do personal evangelism? Have you all heard that? We need to do personal evangelism. Jesus says, no you don't. (laughs) You need to do pair evangelism. Now, there's a big difference. We have taken evangelism and made it so private that we don't know what other people are doing. I bet if we were to sit back and talk to people in this congregation saying, how are you reaching out? How are you trying to share the gospel? I bet you would have tons of stories. I bet a lot of you are involved in evangelism. You are making it different. You are blessing people. You are trying to serve your local community. And if we were to talk to you individually, we would probably hear story after story of how God is moving in this community and through your work. But because we have it so privatized... We don't hear those type of stories. We don't hear the encouragement. So we may sit back and think, nobody's doing it. Nobody's really evangelizing. And we get so isolated into our individualism that we don't know how to help each other. But Jesus in these verses here in Luke chapter 10 verses 1 to 2 He talks about this idea of going in pairs and being with another and helping each other out. Let's look at our verses here in Luke chapter 10 verses 1 to 2. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him in every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, now look at then, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few, therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is letting them know, go out in pairs to encourage one another. A lot of times we have kind of a hook style of evangelism. One person reaching out to one person. We need more net evangelism. It takes a multiplicity of people to pull a net in. It means that you have to work in coordination with one another. So let's say I'm talking to somebody and sharing the gospel with them. But you know that they're a tennis player. Or maybe they're a hunter. Or maybe they're uh, Oh, I'm trying to think the local sports team. Someone told me I had to say that, not Razorbacks. Red Wolves. And they go to Red Wolves games. You need to connect with them and partner up. So if you hunt, and that person's studying with them, and then there's some sweet sister that can make them a loaf of bread, and then all of a sudden you have all come together. So when they come to church for the first time, it won't be that awkward. You know what it's like to bring a guest, don't you? Their first time, they walk in, and you are nervous I hope somebody says something nice to them I hope I'm not the only one that talks to them. I hope that this is not all on my shoulders I hope Spencer doesn't say something awful that insults them you know (laughs) you're nervous aren't you because you're not sure how everybody else is going to act And so it kind of scares us. But if we did pair evangelism, if we partnered up, if we worked as a coordinated team, all of a sudden the guy who hunts with them is here. You're here. The sweet sister that dropped off bread to them is here. And when they walk in the building, they start to see a bunch of familiar faces, and it feels like home. It feels like a place that's called community. But when you walk in and there's just one person they're connected to, it's really scary. It's scary for the person invited them and for the person who has showed up. We need to be working together as a team. And when we do, all of a sudden, we don't have this lone wolf, lone warrior syndrome. We realize that everybody's doing this evangelism and then we look for ways to join them. We look for ways to help. And so this week, I want you to be thinking about what type of evangelistic efforts That I may not have started, but I can help you out in the work. The second way that we can help and support one another is to go in peace. Let's look at Luke chapter 10 verses 3 to 4. Go, go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Now, where do you think this idea of man of peace comes from? We don't talk about the man of peace. But I think we have seen these individuals. Have you ever noticed that some people are very receptive to the gospel? We can sit back and argue and argue and argue with people, and they may never uh, believe the truth. They may never be converted, but then there's some people that are just receptive. God is working with those people, and then if we partner with the Lord in pairs, and we find somebody who is the person of peace, often These are the best contacts that you can make because they know other people. I remember when I was a brand new Christian, I was probably the best evangelist I ever was at any time in my life. You know what I had going for me that I do not now? I knew lost people. I'm so surrounded by saved people today that it's hard for me to even know lost people and to have meaningful relationships with them. But every now and then I will meet somebody who is that person of peace and they'll respond to the gospel. But you know, all of a sudden they'll start calling me up and saying, hey, can you study with this person? Hey, can you call this person? Can you reach out to this individual? And they are going to be your biggest fan and advocate and open up a lot of lines of communication. The gospel works. When we go in pairs and we look for the people of peace. I want to tell you one last story about my friend Reba. And Reba, when I was in Waynesboro, Tennessee, she would come to church and she would sit in her pew all by herself. And I went to her and she had a lot, a lot of family in the area. And I went to her and I said, Anytime. You have any of your relatives in the hospital, call me. I want to go make a visit with them. She said, all right, I'll do it. And I remember her calling and one of her uncles was there and I walked in and I said, hello, I'm the preacher man and I'm going to have a prayer with you. And they're kind of awkward and they're like, uh. so I came in, I prayed and I laughed and they were thankful I was gone because they didn't know what to do with me. Then it happened again. Another family member. I would go into the hospital and i have a prayer with them. After a while, they got used to it. They got so used to it, they used to call Reba up and say, hey, send the little preacher man in. That's the problem when you have this stature. This is what you get called a lot, little preacher man. That's why I grew a beard so I could look dignified. (laughs) And they would call... And I'd go and make a visit, and they got used to me. But then, I started studying with some of her family. Her father was baptized. Her uncle was baptized. Two of her sons were baptized. Her husband, who did not want to come to church at all, was baptized. You know why? because we worked together. She didn't really feel comfortable having studies with some of her families. I think she felt like it would turn into an argument. But I said, I'll do it. Let me lean in. it." But you know what? It would never have happened if Reba wasn't calling me. If we didn't partner up If we didn't join up as one and work on this together, there would be less people in heaven. By the time I left, in four and a half years, she filled two. My wife always makes fun of me. I will hold up two pews and get it wrong every time. But she filled up two pews by just reaching out. I will tell you, people want to know Jesus. People want a relationship. And you know, we rejoice this morning because you are the saved. You are the workers. You are the ones that the Lord is saying, get out to the fields. Get out and prepare for a harvest. Because the fields are ripe, it's time to start plucking the fields. Because God is out there already. He's just waiting for us to join Him. And when we do, great things happen. I want to extend the invitation. We talk about being, believing... Confessing, repenting, being baptized, and rising up out of that water to newness of life. That still works. That's still the plan of salvation. That's the pathway to being in Christ. But I think the invitation may be for a lot of you who are already saved. I want to encourage you this week. The invitation, the challenge is this. The Lord said in this, these verses, pray, pray for the workers, pray for the evangelism that is happening in this church, pray for more workers, and the Lord will send them. You have an opportunity to respond to this message. If you need to be baptized, why don't you rise? But also, this week, be praying for the workers, praying for the evangelism in this congregation. Why don't you do so as we stand and sing the imitation song?